Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Well, after beating the Oilers last night, the Chicago Blackhawks scoreless in Detroit late in the first period. Early in the second, St. Louis and New Jersey tied 1-1. Now, games coming up later, and several of them of interest to the Edmonton Oilers. The Vegas Golden Knights are in Winnipeg. That game gets underway in a few minutes. Vegas leading the Pacific Division by two points over the Oilers. Both teams have played the same number of games coming in tonight. Arizona will take on Calgary. The Flames currently three points behind Edmonton for second. Arizona trying to stay alive in the wildcard race. They're in a four-way tie for the final playoff spot, but when you apply all the tiebreakers, Arizona is the fourth of those teams. The Avalanche face the Canucks. When you apply all those tiebreakers, the Canucks have the final playoff spot in the Western Conference. So several games of note tonight. Also later on, the Toronto Maple Leafs play the Anaheim Ducks. Curling tonight, it's the final round-robin draw at the Briar, and a lot to be decided. Now, it is good for Alberta. They won earlier today. Brendan Botcher's crew is 9-1. and one. They will play in the 1-2 page playoff game tomorrow at 5. So the winner will go straight into Sunday's championship game. The loser will get a second chance in Sunday's semifinal. Alberta tonight playing the wildcard entry out of Manitoba. It's one nothing wildcard. They're in the 5th. Also, Northern Ontario up 3-2 on Ontario. That's in the fifth. These other two games also in the fifth as well. Saskatchewan in a 3-3 tie with Newfoundland and Labrador. And Team Canada and Manitoba are tied 2-2. Manitoba is out. Alberta and Newfoundland and Labrador have clinched spots. The other five teams still in the mix. It is possible that there could be five teams tied for the final two playoff spots at the Briar, and then they'd have to sort out some tiebreakers, but that will all be figured out tonight. Pretty interesting stuff. The Edmonton Oil Kings in action tonight, 7 o'clock against Swift Current. Tough go a couple of days ago against Spokane for the Oil Kings. They'll try to bounce back into the wind call. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Your weekend is underway. Thanks for starting it here. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Always happy to hear from you. You can call or text 780-496-0063. For the Oilers today, Josh Archibald gets a two-year contract extension. The 27-year-old, 59 games this season. He has 12 goals and 8 assists for 20 points. All of that since December 1st. Remember, he was injured early in the season and then didn't really get going. So since December 1st, he's been able to put up 20 points. He was one of the players in the offseason when he was added to the roster. Can he add some support scoring? Can he get to double digits in goals? Well, he's got to 12 and a good chance to add to that over the final 15, uh, 14, 15 games here of the season for the Oilers. So Archibald, two-year contract. It's for two years, $1.5 million per season. Josh Archibald has a short-handed breakaway. Waits, shoots, and scores. 
Yeah, you know, I think one of the big things uh, they wanted to bring me in as a penalty killer. And, uh, you know, I think she and I, you know, we've created a lot of chemistry. And, um, you know, we've done a good job at that so far this year. And, you know, I've been able to pitch in offensively too. But, that, that you know, at the end of the day, you know, I'll, I'll do exactly whatever, you know, the coach wants me to do and uh, tells me to do. Turn it over. And now Cassian bursts in left circle. Wade centers. What timer score? Josh Archibald puts Edmonton back in the game. I think, you know, all parties are excited that it got done sooner than later um, you know obviously going down this stretch it's a big stretch for us and to have that out of the way it's uh, it's a nice feeling but you know just have some security for uh, myself and my family I think that was uh, important for us so you know to get another two years we're really excited to be back Ennis gets it back from McDavid centers one timer score Josh Archibald makes it one nothing yeah I think when when you know Kenny and Tip identified the personnel for the penalty kill summer when Archie was identified it was brought on for his, probably the pace of the way he kills. He's a real smart killer. He's really good awareness of the league and the players in the league, but I think he sets the pace and the tone for our penalty kill, and then he does a really good job at it, obviously, and uh, yeah, that's exciting news. Dry saddle with Ajo back. Jordan is Archibald. Centering pass Archibald. Rich and score! Josh Archibald wins the game! The start was a little tough, you know, breaking the foot. You know, I was sick early on too, and you know, just finding time to, you know, get comfortable. It was it was tougher when you're injured. You know, you're you're at home when guys are on the road, so uh, you know that was a tough part. But you know, being able to finally settle in, get that first goal, get some confidence. You know, the team started playing really well. You know, I think that that helped out a lot too. And then you know, just creating chemistry with some guys. You know, I've been playing with Shee for the majority of the year, and you know, whoever our left winger was, you know, the short time that they've been there, we've been you know having chemistry with them too. So it's just been a good stretch for. All right, that is Josh Archibald. Gets the two-year deal. I think he's been pretty good. Certainly has helped the penalty killing. Versatile in the lineup. He can move up and play a little bit higher if needed. I think he's best suited to be a third liner. Plays with some energy. Plays fearless. He is tied for the Oilers' lead in hits with Darnell Nurse. And I know the hit stat can be a little sketchy depending how it's tracked arena to arena, but he definitely isn't afraid to engage and despite being a smaller player, is tenacious and doesn't back down. So two more years for Josh Archibald, who is 27 years of age. Originally drafted by Pittsburgh back in 2011, 174th overall in the sixth round. So he's crafting out a pretty good uh, career considering his draft position. Jim Playfair was uh, the other voice you heard in uh, that clip sequence there featuring Josh Archibald. Uh, Dave Tippett uh, not available today, so Jim Playfair, the associate coach, spoke to the media. And Playfair also heavily involved in the uh, penalty killing, and um, he had this to say about why the Oilers' penalty kill in general this year has been extremely successful. I think obviously everyone knows goaltending is such a big part of it, but I think the structure and the commitment to compete that the players have bought into, we block a lot of shots, we uh, we get into a lot of scrums, we stay in the scrums until the job is done. I think we do a lot of little detail things, but collectively they have confidence in what they're doing out there together, and I think that's a big part of your penalty kill, and, and the team has confidence in the penalty kill now. So I think that the, you know, the structure is one thing, but obviously you have really good personnel. I think the goaltending's been been really good in it, and uh, and it's uh, it's an important part of our game. And, and really, your special teams are generally an extension of your 5-on-5, right? So our 5-on-5, for the most part, has been good, and, and it's, it's led into our special teams. All right, well, the Oilers special teams, one of the headline stories this season for them. Best penalty kill, second best 
or pardon me, best power play, second best penalty kill in the NHL. They've they've been exceptional and a big reason why the Oilers are firmly entrenched in a playoff spot as we have, well, with less than a month now to go in the regular season. The Oilers' last game is April 4th. Oscar Clefbaum getting close to returning. He's been out with the shoulder injury, skated today, says he had to give himself time to heal. Yeah, uh, it's it's something you learn when you're, when you're in this league. You play through a lot of stuff, and, and sometimes it comes to a point when you have to be smart. It's tough for a player to say uh, uh, it's not good enough and, and I cannot really do my job out there, but uh, we have a great medical staff, and, and like I said, uh, I'm just looking forward to, uh, to the future, and it feels pretty good today. Oscar Clefbaum, he said several times he was taking it day by day. I said, look, so what What about for tomorrow? What do you say about tomorrow? And he, and he just gave maybe. So the best I can tell you is that Clefbaum did not rule himself out for tomorrow. Sometimes a player will say, well, it's day to day, but I know I can't play the next game. He didn't say that. I think there's a pretty good chance he plays tomorrow, but we'll get more information at the morning skate. I want to remind you that some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down South Comfort Food to Edmonton with their creative take on Southern Classic Spun with a Modern Twist. Great spot. Went there for lunch a couple of days ago. The uh, barbecue drumsticks I had not tried before. They were really good. I'm going to catch up on some text here to 780-496-0063. A little more on the Oilers, of course, as we take you throughout the show. Jody Shelley covers the Columbus Blue Jackets, who have been extremely injury-riddled throughout the season and continue to be, so he'll update you on how they've been dealing with all that. And a legend from the NHL has passed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply away on Richard at the age of 84 we will learn more about his life and career from Dave Stubbs from NHL.com as we move along tonight on Inside Sports Offensive zone, Drake Kajula, goals in his last two. Bokos backdoor, slid wide. Wrap around score, Jonathan Taves. 2-0 Chicago. Bokos from Keith to Brinkett. Shot, score. 3-0. To Brinkett again. Rich shot, score. 4-1 Chicago. To Brinkett, second of the night. I don't know. It's so hard to say today. I thought it was... We didn't have a lot going on in the first, uh, and in the second they scored a couple there, so we had to chase the whole game. And I mean, it's it's tough in this league, and especially playing against the Blackhawks. They're they're an extremely skilled team when they when they're feeling it. And I thought we we kind of made it made the game easy for him. And now Cassian bursts in, left circle, Wade centers, one-timer score! Josh Archibald puts Edmonton back in the game, it's 4-2! Beers fight for the puck against Jonathan Taves, Nurse won the battle, tries to the inside, score! Kyler Yamamoto upstairs! They have not called it a goal! 
chasing the, you're down 4-1 and you're going to chase in the third period. That's Every team does that, right? So I'm more concerned about what we did in periods one and two than what we did in three. Oilers have to hurry. Ten seconds to play. Bear up the right-hand side. Murphy the steal. Down the middle, Bear. Five seconds to go. He hits dry settle. Swatted away. Time will run out. And the Oilers' furious rally falls just short. 4-3 Chicago. That's your final. We know how we have to play harder. When you when you can recognize it in a game like that after the second period, we recognize it in play. So that's uh, it's got to come with within a little bit. And there's some things we can do to improve that. And we'll look to do that Saturday. Recap of last night's loss to the Chicago Blackhawks. Oilers did not have a lot going on through the first two periods. I thought the Hawks uh, defended pretty well, but the Oilers weren't able to figure out a way around that. Didn't have a very energetic night, I thought. Uh, good third period. I, th- I really thought Chicago sagged a bit and maybe defended it a little bit too much, and the Oilers were able to get a couple of quick goals and at least make it interesting, but full marks to the Blackhawks. They were the better team. I, I think the-, the Oilers are getting players back from injury, which is good, but with those players coming back and the players acquired at the trade deadline, there's still some things to figure out up front. And I know I got a couple of texts in here about line combinations. You're not touching Dreisaitl. Well, at least I wouldn't at this point touch Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, and uh, Yamamoto. Mike writes in, he says, Reed, I think the top two lines should have a pair of bonafide top six players on each line. Right now, I'm not sure if any of Neil... Cassian, Ennis, and AA can fit that description. Mike says he would put Cassian on a line with Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins and then put Yamamoto with McDavid. That's a text coming in from Mike. Mike, I'll tell you what, it's it's an interesting debate. And look, if the if the players just, you know, play better and, and, and forecheck and again and are able to figure out and react to some of the things that Chicago was doing last night, the line combinations probably don't matter quite as much. But again, I, I wouldn't touch dry settle Nugent Hopkins and Yamamoto. I, I just think they're so powerful. They have so much confidence playing with each other. And, and I would leave those guys together. With McDavid, you know, I, I think in my mind, it's time to throw Cassian back up there on a more permanent basis. Here, here's what I wonder with McDavid moving, moving along here, guys and gals. Do you, do you kind of say McDavid's wingers are Cassian, Ennis, and Neal? and play which two of the three are going the best at the time. I mean, I think with AA, they probably want to leave him a little lower in the lineup for now. I I think there are some things they want to work on with him, and I do think the coaching staff is very intent on working with Athanasiu. I don't think they're going to put him in the doghouse. I don't think they're going to, you know, be too hard on him. I think they realize he's coming from a team that was having an awful season, and I think they know there is a talented player there. You know he's 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 he hasn't taken care of the details of the game uh, at some points during his brief tenure as an oiler. So I think they want to work on those things. So I'm totally I'm on board with giving this player a chance. I mean you've you've traded a couple second round picks for him. He's an RFA, so you have control of his contract or of his rights. So I think you know they're going to be patient with with AA, but I, I don't know if they're necessarily going to throw him up there with McDavid a lot. And I think. We're talking about Archibald's extension. I think Archibald and Shan, they just seem to work well together. They work well together killing penalties, and I think they work well together five-on-five. And I know Archibald has that ability to move up in the lineup, and he's been successful there at times this season moving up, but I think ideally he's with Shan, 
and then maybe Nygaard or Cassian or Ennis or one of those other guys, if they're not going with McDavid, they play on the line with Shane and Archibald. That's how I look at it right now. But I, I, I like a lot of things Ennis has done. I know Neil's the veteran and often tip it, and a lot of coaches defer to the veteran and, and give them the most opportunities to play themselves out of a spot on the team. But, you know, I wonder if it's either Neil or Ennis on the left side tomorrow with McDavid and Cassian. Optional practice today, so we didn't see any line combinations. But I, I will say, Mike, I understand what you're saying, but I would not break up. Uh, I, I would not break up dry settle Nugent Hopkins and Yamamoto. One texture says we didn't sign Cassian to play on the third line. Well, you're right. Rob and I talked about that last night. If Zach Cassian is playing with Connor McDavid, that's that's what his contract in the future years, you know, that's what it that's kind of why he was signed to that amount of money. If he's on your third or fourth line, it doesn't look like such a good contract. Having said that, I don't I, I don't think he's gonna be there necessarily every game, but I would like to see him there tomorrow. Steven says, Hey Reed, do you think Tippett will try to dial back Connor and Leon's minutes a little bit to save them for the playoffs? Or is it too close a race to try that? Steven, I do not think their minutes will be dialed back unless they're in a lopsided game, like against the Nashville Predators on Monday, where the Oilers got way ahead and then Connor and Leon didn't play much after they had the five goal lead. And I think they both wound up uh were they both under 20? At least one of them was under 20 in that game. But but no, I don't think that there'll be a, a conscious effort to limit the ice time unless it's lopsided. League Jets up 2-0 on the Golden Knights. The game is not even 10 minutes old. Detroit leads Chicago 1-0 in the second period. Late in the second, New Jersey is up 2-1 on St. Louis. Still to come, Arizona and Calgary, Avalanche and Canucks. Maple Leafs play the Ducks. So a lot of Pacific Division teams in the playoff race in action tonight. Now Vegas two points ahead of Edmonton for first place. And again, Vegas has fallen behind Winnipeg 2-0 early. Tomorrow, Oilers and Columbus at Rogers Place. The faceoff shows at 6.30. The game will start at 8 Quickly updating the Briar final round robin draw. Alberta in the seventh is trailing the wildcard team 1-0. These other games are in the sixth. Canada and Manitoba tied 2-2. Saskatchewan and Newfoundland tied 3-3. Ontario leading Northern Ontario 5-3. And uh, Alberta is in the 1-2 game for sure. Newfoundland has a playoff spot. Manitoba is out. The other five teams are still alive for the final two playoff spots, and there could be tiebreakers. So it's a pretty tense night at the Briar in Kingston. Josh Archibald has signed a contract extension with the Oilers. Two years, total of $3 million, so one and a half per season, 12 goals, 
20 points in 59 games so far this year. Thanks a lot for tuning in. My name is Reed Wilkins. You can always text 780-496-0063. That is also the open line number. Appreciate some of your feedback about the Oilers roster and line combinations in the last half hour. We'll keep talking about that story as we move along tonight. But I want to welcome back to the show Jody Shelley from Fox Sports Ohio, for Ohio former NHLer who now works on the Blue Jackets broadcast. Jody, good to see you again. How are you doing? Good, Reed. How are you? I'm excellent. It's always great to have you on the show. And I debated, Jody, how I was going to start this segment. And I thought to myself, maybe I'll read off all the Blue Jackets injuries. And then I thought I might not have time to do that before the 7 o'clock news. It has been <laughs> crazy there this season. Hey, you know what? It's been almost uh, not real. Like, hard to believe what's gone on with this team. And you're right. It's, it's, there was a time there where guys would go down and you'd see players leave the ice and you almost think, like, this is some kind of joke. And, yeah, they just, they've piled up some major injuries. Bjorkstrand, their top goal scorer, goes out at that time. Seth Jones, one of the best defensemen in the league, goes out. It just has been stacked up. But I'll tell you, in all that, uh, and you're talking about a team in Columbus that no one really counted them to do much this year because they had Panarin had left. Bobrovsky left. Remember, they picked up Duchesne at the deadline, the single. They went all in, and everyone thought, oh, Columbus is going to take a step back. But Columbus didn't feel that way. The Blue Jackets didn't feel that way. They've got a good team. They've got a great coach, and they play a certain tough brand of hockey where uh, they were hard to play against. And But it's, at some point, with all the injuries, we did think this cannot last. They cannot win games with all these injuries that have taken place. But they've got an excellent team game, some great leadership, and some goaltending, and they're in every game. They have a chance to win every single game they play. Okay, in all seriousness, so this is the injury. These are the guy injured guys I have. Correct me if I'm missing anybody, or if somebody's jumped back in the lineup and I've missed it. Dubinsky, Anderson, Jones, Atkinson, Bjorkstrand, Merzlikens, and Gerby. Are those the guys now? Because Murray came yeah, back. Yeah, Dean right? Kukin. Dean Kukin is on that list too. Uh, yeah, Murray is back. Yeah, Murray Reimer is back. Big bonus to have him back in the lineup. I mean, you know, he's one of the best defensemen for our team. He's a guy that can play in the two or three slot. Was playing with Seth Jones actually to start this year on that top pair. And uh, yeah, he's he's back. You know, it's uh, and that's not happened very often. So yeah, to get a guy back is a big deal for this organization. Yeah, I mean that that's a crazy list, and and obviously some some excellent players uh, out of action for Columbus. I mean, you mentioned they play a good team game, but mentally that must be wearing on seeing teammates go down. Another guy goes down. Another guy goes down. Maybe someone has to step into an un- unknown role. So physical performance aside, that has to be demoralizing. So who do you credit for sort of? keeping the team spirits up or the positivity going? Or maybe it hasn't always been there. Maybe it did wane at, wane at times. How have you seen that? Well, I didn't see much of this this team spirit be deflated until Seth Jones went out of the lineup. And I honestly felt like the team felt sorry for themselves. Uh, but they quickly turned it around. I mean, they haven't won many games since he's been out of the lineup, but they've collected points in overtime losses. Um, they've been in every single game, almost every single game. They got spanked by the Minnesota Wild 5 nothing at home. Uh, but other than that, they've been in every single game. No, I, you know what? The person that I think that drives this is John Tortorella. 
He doesn't give them any time to feel sorry for themselves. He loves the underdog role. He understands that role to a T. Uh, he used it last year in the first round of the playoffs when the Blue Jackets swept the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, the team that won the President's Trophy and first team in NHL history to get swept after doing so. Uh, the Blue Jackets played a simplified game, and, and he went in and he told the team in that series that no one's talking about them. They're all talking about Tampa and how they're going to go win the Cup. And they use that as motivation. He's done that coming into this season where everyone says, oh, the poor Blue Jackets, they lost their goalie, they lost Panarin. What are they going to do? Uh, and then he's done it now with the season with injuries. So, you know, not counted in many games, but at the third period when, it, when it, the, the period starts, uh, these guys, they're going to play tight, stingy defense. They're going to keep sticks on pucks. They're going to keep uh, high-end players frustrated. And that's their game plan is just to really lock it down in front of their goalie. Jody Shelley joining us on Inside Sports, talking about the Columbus Blue Jackets, who will play the Oilers tomorrow at Rogers Place. Okay, speaking of injuries, Jody, uh, I was looking back over your stats. You played, uh, you know, you, had, you played 80, you played 72. Uh, you, you didn't miss a ton of action, but do you, the worst, I'll phrase it this way, worst or most frustrating injury you ever suffered as a player? Uh, towards the end of my career, I was in a practice in Philadelphia. Practice was over. I had a poor attitude after practice because I wasn't playing much. But they were doing a goalie drill down at the opposite end, and I went down and I said to goalie coach Jeff Brees, I said, what, what kind of drill? What are you guys doing? And it was a tip drill. There was two tippers. There was a high guy and a low guy. And uh, I said, well, okay. So I got in front of the net. He said, well, the high guy doesn't touch the puck. Now, practice is over. This is nothing. This is for a goalie. Uh, and I get in front of the net, and the puck gets deflected high, which he's not supposed to do, the guy up front, and it went right into my eye and broke my orbital. And as a guy who did what I did, uh, that's the injury you didn't want to get, the broken face. Uh, so that was the most demoralizing, most frustrating, because now I had to go get plates along my nose, which already took a beating, but now it was even more crooked, and then plates along my orbital, because it's an orbital blowout, and if you don't fix that with surgery, your eye could actually drop and get smaller so anyways that was my worst and most demoralizing injury it was towards the end of my career i will say i missed most of my games due to healthy scratch read and that was towards the end of my career uh when things were getting phased yeah well i mean that, I, thanks for sharing that i mean that's such I, I know that's kind of an awful story but to be honest with you Jody, nah, sometimes sometimes the painful stories are more interesting to listen to but uh, <laughs> but that the, the order no, but that was you know that was it was not that it was painful. It was just that, you know, I had young kids. I go home. They're looking at me like, what's gone? What's wrong with daddy? And, and then I'm like, you know, as a fighter, you always, you, when your face is broken, you always think, okay, what, what, is a punch going to uh, re-aggravate or is this going to happen again? So yeah, those are the things that, uh, as a fighter, you always think about. The nose, whatever, you know, the, the stitches, who cares? But it's the broken face that you're like, okay, uh, does this mean I'm more fragile? But. I didn't have to deal with that much for that much after that injury. Well, and you mentioned something else interesting in that in that answer that that you said you were you were struggling with your attitude at that time in your career, and you're always so positive whenever we do these interviews. Sometimes I, I, I yeah. forget you would have faced, uh, but I mean, how did you how did you deal with that and not like you don't want to be a uh, a sour guy in the dressing room, I assume, and, and affect the whole team. So how did you balance your own individual disappointment with trying to be a quote-unquote good teammate? 
Yeah, you know, I was always a team first guy. That's what you know, that's what you have to be in that role. You have to be any time any time on a team, but no, I was never there was not many bad days, but there were moments in long seasons where you know, you were just on the outside, you were you practice hard. Um and you just, you know, the reward is for an athlete is to feel good and, and help the team get rewarded in some way. And I, it was just once in a while where you'd have that attitude. And I wouldn't make it a distraction. I would grumble. Uh, I would use an assistant coach to talk to. I had Craig Berube there as assistant coach. Really, he, was, he was fantastic because he knew exactly what I was going through. Um, he wouldn't, I wouldn't spend time being negative, but he would come up and just ask how I was doing. And those are the moments that I think we forget. You know, it doesn't matter who you are or what you're doing. You never know what people are going through. So when I had an assistant coach to ask me, uh, you know, I would be fine for another however long. But there were a few moments that you just couldn't help but be like, why are we doing this again? I think it's like anything you do. There's those days you're like, okay, just get through this one. You know, just just try to be positive. But there's a moment during the day where you're like, where you're in a car or whatever you're doing and someone cuts you off, you just lean on the horn and say, you know, that's my time to blow it out. So I had a day like that. It turned into a lesson for me, I guess, because I really believe if my attitude was better. I wouldn't have had that puck in the face. But I still do believe that things happen for a reason. So to answer your question, I just tried to stay positive, and sometimes I just talked to the assistant coach or some leaders on the team just to help me get back to right and, and, uh, and, and stay uh, positive so the team could keep working. I, I'm glad you brought up uh, this. This has this has turned into an even better segment than I thought it would be, Jody. And I have high expectations for you. Trust me. <laughs> ever, ever since you told the story about the moose head being thrown on the ice, I'm always like, we're getting oh, Jody yeah, Shelley on the show whenever Columbus comes to town. So you mentioned Barube, and incredible story for him last season. Uh, you know, Tockett has been in Arizona, and I always hear those guys were were battlers when they played certainly talk was a high scorer as well but you know they did all the little gritty things and even here in edmonton you know dave tippett had to had to kill penalties and even if these players aren't old enough to have seen him he has that he has that reputation but you've also had you know the ken hitchcocks of the world who you played for who were not nhl players were, were not career coaches you know as a player how you know, do we overly romanticize that you, you know, you have to have played because that gives you cred with your players? Or how does that actually work when a coach is trying to relate to his players and, and they know what his history is? Well, no, in my house, where I, wherever I've been, I mean, the coach has been, you know, the leader. And you never talk back or undermine a coach. But after playing for some different coaches, Dave King is the guy who is a, you know, Hockey Canada guy back in the day, a real thoughtful and, and insightful coach, Ken Hitchcock, the same thing. Um, they approach the game differently. They have a certain way of um, coaching that they've learned, and, and they've earned it coming up through junior and and minor league, and, you know, they've earned their, their stripes in that way. And I think they're phenomenal coaches where they can prepare you in a way that, you know, if you listen to the game plan and execute it the way it should be, then you're, you have a chance to win every single night. But then you have a coach who's been there. And I think it's it's important that there's different situations that arise. And I think that Hitchcock and, and King, they had smart assistant coaches, and that's why they're even more intelligent, because they hired people who understood certain scenarios with the players have been through that maybe those guys hadn't been through as coaches that never played. And, and there's a guy like Barube who can – everyone's got so much respect for him because the way he played the game – and he's a no-nonsense person because he never played with nonsense. He's always there for his teammates, but he also knows 
you you can't pull the wool or 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 um, or, or you're not going to BS him. And I think he lets his players be players and enjoy the league and enjoy what comes with being the National Hockey League. And there's a lot of perks to it and time to let them run and time to work. He's a work hard, play hard guy. And I think there's value in that too. So it's a combination of understanding what players are going through situationally. But I also think it's it has to do with uh, how the, the lifestyle of the player and and you know there's a there's a work and, and player reward that he he has and he understands. And I think that's an important part of it too. So the dynamics are different in both. I think the respect is just as high for both, but I think in some situations that the players being able to identify with the coach that is played uh, might be more valuable. And that's sometimes what clicks better with coaches and some players, they need the structure of a coach who wants to lay out a game plan to a T because they've understood the game like an educational guy like Hitchcock. That's a great way to put it. Okay, I hate to do this to you. I, I brought it up and now a couple of people have texting in saying, Reed, I never heard Jody's Moosehead story. Do you mind... I know we do, we've done this. Oh, yeah, no problem. I love this one, though. So when I was uh, playing for the Halifax Mooseheads, our first game up in Val d'Or, Quebec, which is up in a, in a gold mining community up in northern Quebec, um, it's our first time there as a franchise. And we are the Halifax Mooseheads. The Moosehead Beer Company owned us. And our logo is, and to this day, 26 years later, is a Moosehead. So we were up in Val d'Or. And I'm 18 years old, and I, you know, I'm, I don't know where I am. No one speaks English. It's, it, the game is going on. The fans are crazy. So Valdor scores their first goal against the Halifax Mooseheads in Valdor, and I look to my right, and there is a moose head on the ice. I mean, someone had killed a moose, cut the head off, brought it into the arena somehow, and dumped it on the ice, and it stunk. And it was, the hair was on the ice. It took like 15 minutes to clean the hair up. The blood was on the ice. And I'm like, what is happening in Val d'Or, Quebec? Yeah, true story. Uh, it was uh, a real eye-opener for uh, northern Quebec and, and how passionate their fans are about hockey. That's a new level of passion. That That's one of my all-time... <laughs> well, I don't know if it's a favorite. It's one of the all-time most bizarre hockey stories that has ever been on, on this show. Jody, you're... Yeah, uh, how do you sneak a moose head in? <laughs> yeah, how do you sneak that under your coat? <laughs> like that's, they, they must have brought it in earlier in the day. Uh, it may be. Jody, you're always entertaining. You're always informative. You are a pleasure to have on the show. I will see you at the morning skate. Looking forward to tomorrow's tilt. All right, really. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. You do a great job, and uh, anytime you want me on, just give me a call. Right on. That is Jody Shelley checking in tonight from Fox Sports Ohio. He covers the Columbus Blue Jackets. Of course, you remember him playing in the National Hockey League, and uh, maybe you remember him playing in the QMJHL. Can you believe that, Kellen? Like, that's straight out of pro wrestling that you follow. That would that would probably be considered too extreme for pro wrestling. Yeah, we haven't. What's, what's the guy's <laughs> name? Vance McMahon, that does all the planning. Well, he's also the same guy that runs Vince, the XFL. It's Vince McMahon. There you like, go. Is if, if they're because they script all the wrestling. So yes. If someone said, okay, let's have someone throw a moose head into the ring. I'm sure someone would say at the writers' table, hold on, hold on. Standards and practices That's would have an much. issue with that. Yes, but not in Valdor, Quebec. Apparently, there you go. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three is the number to reach us. It's Inside Sports on six thirty. Chet. Well, 
it is now 3-0 Winnipeg leading Vegas with a minute left in the first period. Jets the home team in that one. So the Oilers, if Winnipeg continues to roll there, would have another chance tomorrow night to tie Vegas for first in the Pacific Division. Getting ahead of myself a little bit, still two periods to go, but Winnipeg has jumped out to a quick lead, and Winnipeg trying to uh, hop back into a wild card spot in that tight race in the Western Conference. 780-496-0063. Rod says, do you think the Oilers can afford to keep or sign Yamamoto? I think they'll find a way to keep that player, but we're a couple of years away from worrying about that. Sam G says, Reed, how do people come by and say hi to you at the games in Studio 99? We tried a few times, but we were told that you needed to be on the guest list. I did not know about that. Sam G, I would love to say hi to you. I don't even know what to say. I know you need reservations for a table, but I would think if you just wanted to come in and look around, they would let you. Sam G, next time you go to a game, just say you want to come say hi to the radio people. And I do not think you need reservations after a game. I was going to say, yeah, I think post-game it's open to anyone and everyone. I feel bad, Sam G. You have attempted to meet me, and we have been denied that opportunity because you are a loyal and entertaining texture to the program. Agreed. What's going on with all this toilet paper? <laughs> well, okay, so... You tell me. <laughs> well, I understand in some parts of the world, I don't know how much is happening in Edmonton, people are stocking up on toilet paper because of the coronavirus? Yes, that's my understanding of it. And I'm not, I'm not trying to make light of this illness because obviously it, it's potentially deadly and we have a case now in Edmonton. I listened to the news conference live on Ched this afternoon. But the way I see it, if you have to self-isolate and you need toilet paper, I would hope you have a friend or a loved one you could text or call and say, hey, I'm running low on toilet paper. Can you just drop some off? And even if you can't see people, they could leave it on your doorstep and you could just grab it. I don't know if you need to buy 40 packs of toilet paper right now. If I understand sort of the allotment of toilet paper for the general population. I don't know. I was honestly thinking about this today. Spent part of my afternoon preparing for the show thinking about toilet paper. It was beautiful. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.